Thank you, ladies. All right, let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter number 1. Book of Nehemiah chapter number 1. I've had my heart on this text of Scripture and jotted down a few thoughts uh, for tonight's message. And there is so much packed into this book of the Bible and especially the first chapter of the book of Nehemiah. There's no way I could cover the material that's here in just one message. But I do want to give you what's on my heart tonight. And uh, the thought that I'd like to preach on is is simply this, how God works, how God works. And I hope that's made very plain by the end of this message. You understand what God did in a very unusual and peculiar way during this time in Israel's history. God did some really great things. Now, let's read a few verses, Nehemiah chapter number 1, verse number 1. The Bible says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity." And concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. It came to pass when I had when I heard these words that I sat down and wept. And mourned certain days, and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven, and said, and here's just a portion, we'll read just a portion of Nehemiah's prayer in chapter 1, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. We'll stop reading there in the middle of Nehemiah's prayer, actually, the end of verse number 6. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for the privilege to give forth the Bible tonight. I pray you'd help us, Lord. I need your help. I need your hand. I need your power. I need your touch. Lord, we thank you for how you've spoken to hearts, Lord, even tonight. And my heart, Lord, I appreciate it. Thank you for that. And we pray, Lord, through the message, Lord, you touch hearts. 
Lord, those listening by way of radio or online, I pray you'd touch hearts there as well. I know many, for different reasons, couldn't be in this building tonight, but Lord, you know their needs, and we pray you'd meet the needs of their heart. And we'll thank you for what you do in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As uh, you that are students of the Bible know that these last three historical books of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther are post-exile books of the Bible. They are books after the children of Israel have gone into captivity. Of course, the northern tribes went into captivity under the Assyrians and then later to follow were the southern tribes under the Babylonian captivity and the last three books of the Old Testament, the last three prophetical books, are parallel as far as time frame with these books of the Bible, with Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, the last three of those prophetical books. And they line up in the way God designed the Bible. We're looking here at a very dark time in the nation of Israel. We're looking at a very dark time for the people of God. It is a very dark situation. And Nehemiah, although they are in a dark time with their nation, he's doing right well. Nehemiah is in the palace. Nehemiah is in probably a place of comfort. But he gets news from the homeland, those of a remnant that were left, that were not taken captive, that had escaped, and he hears from them of their affliction and their reproach. And God touches his heart. Yes. It do us all well to look beyond our comforts and look beyond how well we have it. And look beyond how at ease it is just in our immediate circumstances. And look on the needs of others. Nehemiah, God squeezed his heart. And we're going to get to this in a moment, but he began to weep and to mourn and fast and pray. and God touched his heart. You know, if you study this book, the book of Nehemiah is a book about building. God's doing something. God's working a work for the people of God. And I have a God like that. He's a God that's in the, in the business of building something. Amen. Amen. God right now is building his church. Amen. I'm glad for the souls that's been saved lately. Amen. I'm, I'm glad for those that's chosen to join Tabernacle Baptist Church. Amen. God's still in the working business. Amen. God's in the business of building. And there's a lot said in this book about building. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 talks about the wise master builder. And there is no other foundation that can be laid than that which is laid, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the chief cornerstone. It is upon him the church is built. It's on Jesus. And God's doing a work, and I'm glad for that. I'm glad for that. And I'm glad God is doing a great work. I want to show you tonight how God works, and it may be different 
than the way we like to maybe think and put God in a box about how God works. You know, God often works outside of a box. Amen. And in particular, our little boxes that we try to put the Lord in. And as I began to study and look at Nehemiah, this book of the Bible, and we may spend some more time in this book if God leads that direction. But in the first verses of this book, I see some things about how God's working, and it's probably not what most people would have written as an ideal script of how God should do his work. For instance, verse 1, let's look in the text. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. This book by this man's name, God's going to use this man for his honor and glory to lead a man, a remnant back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and seek God's mighty hand to do a great work, amen. God had his hand on this man. God's going to use this man to do a work for his namesake called Nehemiah. God uses him. You say, what was Nehemiah? Was he a contractor? God's going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that have been torn down. The gates have been burned with fire. Surely God would have chosen a contractor. God didn't choose a contractor. I'm not sure if Nehemiah, he may have in his early days, but I'm not sure if he had ever lift a hand, amen, in the construction business. The Bible tells us at the end of chapter 1, very last thing it says of Nehemiah's own testimony, for I was the king's cupbearer. God's going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. What's he going to use? A contractor? No, a cupbearer. I see, first of all, the peculiar nature of this book of how God used a man that was tasting the, the drink that was presented to the king. He was the king's cupbearer, handing the king his cup, and God chose to use that to rebuild the walls. You know, God's ways is oftentimes not our ways, and his ways are above our ways. And sometimes his ways are past finding out. But God knows what he's doing, amen. I'd rather trust God with the work than try to trust the intellect or the ideas of man. Are you with me tonight, church? We need to trust God for what God wants, what God needs, amen, for his work. God is doing a work, amen? amen? And I see the peculiar nature of this, that God chose this cupbearer. What an unusual choice. God saw something in Nehemiah. I get to looking at this text in chapter number 2. I think one reason God chose Nehemiah was because he was so close to the heart of the king. Amen? He was close to the king. In this chapter of number 2, chapter number 2, the Bible says, came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now, I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore, the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad 
seeing thou art not sick. This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulcher, life waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? Question in conversation with the king. And then Nehemiah, so I prayed to the God of heaven. There was a man that was in the presence of the king every day, and God chose to use the man that was closest to the king because the king had the resources. The king had the ability. The king had what this man needed. And Nehemiah offered up, we, we refer to it as the Nehemiah prayer. How many has ever been in a spot where you had to offer a Nehemiah prayer? The Nehemiah, there's a lot of prayers of Nehemiah throughout the book, but uh, chapter number one is a very lengthy prayer of Nehemiah. But chapter number four is the one that gets tagged as the Nehemiah prayer because it was just a quick instant in conversation. He bowed his head or however he did it and under his breath possibly prayed to the God of heaven. And then he answered the king. And I said unto the king, if it please the king and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldst send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulcher, that I may build it. He requested of the king after he prayed to God, and God chose to use a cupbearer. I've read it and I've quoted it recently from 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Amen. You see your calling, brethren, not many mighty. Amen. Not many noble. God's chosen those foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Why is that so? That no flesh should glory in his presence. Amen. God, God used Nehemiah because God would get all the credit for it. If he had hired the most expensive and the most capable contractor to go rebuild the walls, then that individual might have tried to take all the credit for it. But God was doing a work, and what God chose to use was something that no man would have probably ever in a million years picked. God chose a cupbearer to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. I'm telling you not, that's how God works. God sometimes don't do things maybe like we think he ought to do things. God knows what he's doing, though, and I'm just going to trust God to know what he's doing. Amen? The peculiar nature of this, this book. Now, let's look next of all, verse number 2 and 3. We're still in chapter 1 of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse number 2 and 3. Next, I want you to see the persecuted people in this text, the persecuted people. That Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. 
Nehemiah had it made. Nehemiah, after being taken captive, was in a comfortable position, in a comfortable place. But he heard the report of his brethren, those that were dear to his heart, and he brought this, this report was brought to him, and he was touched by it. Why? Because his heart wasn't fixed on the palace. It was fixed on the people of God. And his heart was moved when he heard the report. If you're not careful, now listen, I know where we live. I know what niceties we have in this great land of America. Amen. I'm thankful for this country. But church, if we're not careful, we'll get our eyes upon how comfortable we have it and not see the field and not see those that have need. We don't see those that are in reproach. We don't see those that need the gospel. We don't see those that need help. We get our eyes upon the plushness of things around us and we don't see the need. May our hearts be moved for people that need help from God. Amen? May our hearts be moved. Nehemiah's heart was squeezed. I pray God would squeeze my heart. God would move in my soul for those outside of our comfort zone and outside of the comforts of my own life. That God would squeeze my heart for the needs of others. I've prayed this year, and, and I mentioned this maybe around New Year's, that God would help me to enter in with a heart of compassion. And even as I pray, that God would help me enter in to the needs of others and pray for them as if I were in their shoes. Amen. May God help us to see the need. I see a persecuted people that moved the heart of Nehemiah. And then we see the pitiful situation as we read further in verse 3. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Boy, we could spend a lot of time. I won't take time tonight to spend here, but a whole message could be preached on these walls. And there's a lot mentioned as the rebuilding of these walls take place as the building occurs in chapter number 3 and following and there's a lot to be said about walls in people's life. There's walls broken down. It ought to break our heart that walls are down in people's lives. Families being torn apart. Listen, circumstances in people's lives in all disarray. Why? Because the walls are broken down. Dads, let me encourage you tonight. Fathers, give attention to your family and the walls in your home. Amen. May we keep the walls very high, amen. Keep the devil out. I was preaching this morning to the children back during the Sunday morning service about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, amen. And that sword is an instrument of defense against the devil, amen. Keep the devil away. Keep those walls built up in your life. Church, we have a responsibility not to let the standard down. Amen. It'd be real easy, amen, just to kick back. And church right now, 
without a pastor and search of the next pastor and be easy to kick back and let some things go and let some things fall by the wayside. But we want to keep the walls high, amen. Keep the standard high, amen. In the music, in our lives, in our homes, amen. Keep the walls built up, amen. Don't let the wall down. We see the pitiful situation, these walls destroyed. Can you imagine the darkness and soul of Nehemiah as he gets these reports of his homeland and he hears about the reproach and he hears about the affliction. He hears about the walls. He hears about the gates. And his heart is touched. In what seems like a hopeless, despondent, dark, depressing situation, Nehemiah goes to the only place that we can go. He turns his heart toward God. And he cries. The Bible says here the word is weep or he wept. The Bible says in verse 4, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept. Here's what I want to deal with tonight. And I'm, again, I'm not going to be long tonight, but I want to deal with verse number 4. The passionate servant we find in verse number 4. The unusual choice of God's choosing of who God chose to use to rebuild these walls he was a passionate-hearted man. The Bible says in verse 4, It came to pass when I heard these words, Nehemiah said that I sat down and wept. It brought him to tears. It touched his heart. It was immediate. And I believe that expression, weeping, there in verse number 4 was what happened immediately as he heard the news. He began to cry and to sob a great tears because he was broken hearted about his homeland. It was passionate in heart. It touched his heart. How can we see a world that's going to a place called hell and just rolling off day by day into hell and not be moved with compassion? Jesus, when he was on this earth, he looked upon that multitude and he had compassion on them. Those that needed a physician, those that were sick, those that uh, needed to be fed, God saw their need and he wept. We see here the next phrase that's used in verse 4, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days. I think mourning involved weeping, but mourning was more of a long-term, prolonged form of weeping. And the Bible says this occurred certain days following this news. It wasn't something he cried about and got over, but it was a lingering burden on his heart. Let me ask you tonight, church, how burdened are we? about lost souls? How burdened are we about the needs of this church? How much have we recently cried, wept, agonized with God, even over the needs of this church? Nehemiah's heart was moved, and he began to mourn. The next term that's used is fasting. 
And again, a whole other message could be used to expound upon the, the term fasting and the fact that he fasted. Denying his flesh, giving his attention to the Almighty God concerning this need, he fasted. And then he prayed and prayed before the God of heaven. You know, we're blessed to have the words of Nehemiah's prayer, what he prayed to God. In verse number 5, there's a few things about Nehemiah's prayer that I want to focus on tonight. Verse 5, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments, let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant which I pray before thee now day and night. The first part of verse number 5 of Nehemiah's prayer, he mentions the integrity of God. Look at it in verse 5 and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that's speaking about his might, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Amen. Nehemiah addresses God and refers to his integrity. God, we know that if we do what we're supposed to do, you're honorable, you're worthy, you'll do what you said you would do. God's full of integrity. God's going to do what he said he would do. God's going to honor his word. God, amen, is going to listen to the prayers of his saints. God's going to lean in, amen, and with a God full of integrity, where, why would I want to go anywhere else Amen. than to the Lord? God is full of integrity, and he is wanting us to come to him who can hear and answer our prayers. He's a God of integrity. I like the last part of verse number 5, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Nehemiah approached God with respect, with honor, acknowledging that he's a God of integrity. I'd say it probably makes God sick, people that flippantly approach his throne, that are not humble, that have no concern about sin in their life. Nehemiah approached God in all integrity, knowing he's a holy God. I tell you, I learned something right here about praying. Nehemiah was so broken and so burdened about his people. He came weeping. He came humbly before God. And he acknowledged how great God was. Listen, the sample prayer of the Lord in Luke chapter number 11. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The sample prayer of Jesus was to approach God and tell God how good he is. 
And that's no different than Nehemiah as he begins to acknowledge the greatness of God in his prayer. May we do much of the same. And then the last thing I want to touch on here about Nehemiah's prayer, and there's much more to his prayer. But what I want you to see in verse number 6 is this. Let thine ear now be attentive. God, would you just tune in real good and listen closely. Be attentive. And thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants. God, I want you to listen. And what Nehemiah was praying was for the interest of God in his prayer. I want to read a few verses to you about that tonight, about the interest of God in our praying. Psalm 40, verse number 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Do you believe that? He inclined unto me and heard my cry. Psalm 116, let's turn there right quick. I read these scriptures at Miss Price's funeral not long ago. Psalm 116, verse number 1. The Bible says in verse 1, Psalm 116, verse 1, I love the Lord. Can you say that tonight? I love the Lord. Because, and here's the reason the psalmist said, I love the Lord, because he hath heard my voice and my supplication, because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. I'll just keep calling upon the Lord. And here's the reason for that. Because he's interested in what I'm praying to him about. God's interested in what you have to say. God's listening. Have you ever talked to somebody and, uh, Lord, help me not fall down these steps. <laughs> Amen. Have you ever been talking to somebody and their mind wonder? You may have talked to me and I've got a thousand things on my mind and my mind start drifting somewhere else. I've had that happen. Maybe somebody gets something else on their mind and not listening. My wife probably had that happen a thousand times for me. Me be daydreaming or something and be in a different world, not be listening like I should. Amen, husbands. Amen. Help me out here a little bit. Amen. When you come to God, now listen to me. When you come to God with a pure heart and you're seeking Him, He's attentive. He's listening. He's tuned in to what you have to say. That's a great promise in the Bible. Nehemiah, he was burdened about that destruction and his people being in affliction and reproach. His heart was heavy. His heart was burdened. But he knew where he could go, where somebody would be listening. And he went right to the throne of God and called upon God because God was interested in what he had to say. 
I've had this message on my heart because Tabernacle Baptist Church, if there's anything we need to put at the top of our do list, it's to be on our face before God right now. We need to be seeking God. We need to be praying. It's easy sometimes to try to figure things out and try to use our earthly wisdom. I, I didn't hear the message I was preaching back in the back, but I heard Brother Knopfsinger preached on wisdom this morning. We need wisdom that can only come from God. And you know what's good about that? When you come to God, He's interested. He's listening. Amen. What better place to pour your heart out than somebody that's listening and not only listening, able to hear and answer those prayers. Amen. God's house should be a house of prayer. And I want to challenge us tonight. Listen, whether it's whether it's in an invitation or whether it's when you get home or throughout this week in your own prayer closet, may God help Tabernacle Baptist Church. May all of us go to our knees and seek God with all of our heart. That's what Nehemiah did. You know, we, we like to see all the progress and all the building and Families joined arm in arm on that wall as they were warring and working all at the same time and God blessed and God rebuilt those walls. But you know where it all started? Under a burden of a man that decided the first place to go was to God in prayer and seek God with all of his heart. That's where it all began. And that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be in a place of prayer. Let's bow our heads, please. May God help us, amen, seek the Lord. That's how God works, amen. That's how God works. We want God's hand, we want God's blessing, we want God's answers, but we're going to find that on our knees. We're going to find that before a holy God. We're not going to find that in any other place. We're going to have to get serious about praying and seeking the Lord God of heaven. We're going to have to seek him. Some have come to pray. If you want to join these, listen, I'll not draw out an invitation. If you want to come, you come and pray. Uh, maybe you're here and lost and you need the Lord. You, you come. We'll take a Bible and show you how to be saved. If you need to pray, seek the Lord. Amen. Church, we need to seek the Lord. Brother Stephen, sing for us. Open my eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Place in my hand the wonderful key That shall unclasp and set me free Silently now I wait for thee, ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my eyes, illumine me, Spirit divine. 
Open my wine that I may read more of thy love in word and deed. What shall I fear while yet thou dost lead? Only for light from deep I plead. Silently now I wait for thee. Ready, my God, I will to see. Open my mind, illumine me, Spirit divine. Open my way that I may bring trophies of grace to Christ my King. Echoed in love, thy word shall outring, sweet as the note the angels sing. Silently now I wait for thee. Ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my way, illumine me, Spirit divine. Thank you. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, praise the Lord. You can look this way. Um, we have uh, had several folks recently joining the church and had some folks saved. Uh, one of the children in Children's Church got saved back in November and we talked to that uh, child and the parents and we're going to have a baptism March 5th on Sunday night. Excited about that. Uh, some of these that got saved recently, uh, we'd love for you all to come and talk to Brother Knopf Singer, and we get you lined up if you'd like to be part of that baptism on March 5th on Sunday evening. That's so exciting. And an uh, unusual situation, uh, Kerrigans, won't you all come up here? Uh, the Kerrigans had gone away for about a year, year and a half to uh, work in another church, and they are now back with us. And um, the thing that happened, their name never was, we never got word from the other congregation their name never was removed from our role. So they're technically still members. We don't have to do any voting here or welcome. What we want to do is, is just mention that they're reuniting with our fellowship here at Tabernacle Baptist Church. And some of you all may have come in the past year, maybe not know the Kerrigan. So we want to give you a chance as a church tonight as we're dismissed to come by and welcome the Kerrigans back to uh, our fellowship here at, at Tabernacle and uh, we're glad to have them and sure appreciate uh, the Kerrigans. And uh, we, we love y'all. Amen. So uh, we'll get everybody around this line in just a moment, okay? How many's glad the Kerrigans are back? Say amen. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for the good time we've had, uh, Lord, at church today, how you've touched our hearts and through the singing, through the Word of God. And Lord, we pray that Lord, as we're dismissed tonight, that you would keep folks safe as they travel home and bring us back safely the next time, Lord, that we meet together. And we sure love you, love these folks, and thank you for them. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. All right, you're dismissed. Let's greet the camera.